What's up, everyone? Welcome to Shockcast Episode 5. Sorry if that's loud. Still getting all the mic things under control. How's everyone doing? Glad to see you. Congrats to all the graduates out there. I know we're in graduation season, and a lot of our listeners are college people, so congrats, by the way. Joining us today, we've got the one, the only, the Chris Conlin back from Disney. What's How going on, guys? Oh, Disney was awesome, and I'm going to shoot a congrats to our Lou Cantaldi graduating from law school over the weekend. Well, last week. Yeah, uh, so I'm officially a lawyer. Uh, so now just, you're officially scam, okay? Yes, and uh, a doctor. <laughs> so if you hear me, and I will try to as much as possible say, trust me, I'm a doctor. Uh, that is technically true, but also kind of not true. You also heard him give me shit. It's Giuseppe Nelva here back again to fire us all. I wasn't giving you shit. I was being honest. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, hi, Giuseppe. How's everything with you? Fine. It's late as usual. It's two thirty in the morning, uh, and you can probably see the black circles under my my eyes, so I'm not sleeping much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm fine. But yeah, that's business as usual. You're drinking your coffee. You're yeah. doing your thing. Of course. All right. So we're gonna go straight into it. We're gonna talk about what we've been playing lately. So, Chris, you've been gone for a week. Did you play anything on your trip to Disney? Um, so on the way there, I played some uh, some of the Pokemans, uh, mm. some Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. But uh, since I've been back, I've just been playing Battleboard nonstop still, because uh, I haven't picked up Uncharted yet. Right. Well, you got to pick and, up Uncharted. I grabbed Uncharted. Yeah. I need to get it, but I'm just gonna throw it out there. Internet, please buy and play Battleboard. It's a lot of fun. It's really good. You're one of those evangelist um, Battleborn players that just. I didn't think they existed. I haven't heard anything. We, You're the first. We do. Um, we're just hidden by everyone praising Overwatch. Uh, I'm leading the resistance. Battleborn is great. Please buy it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Giuseppe, what do you play? Uh, well, let's see. I've been playing a game that I can't really talk about because it's still under NDA until tomorrow. Well, I, I guess I can say what it is. I've been playing Total War Warhammer, mm-hmm. which is which is I can't say how it is. Right. Uh, because tomorrow is the embargo. Uh, I'm not going to post the review by embargo anyway because it, it's too big. But uh, it's going to... Tomorrow you're going to start hearing about it. Uh, and then I've been playing Black Desert Online. I've been playing some Uncharted 4 again. And uh, that's pretty much it. I, I've played a little bit of Final Fantasy XIV as well. Right. But So very varied. As far as things go. Um... Speaking personally, I've oh wrong thing, I uh, I've as you can clearly see by my background, moved back into my parents' house in between that graduation and getting a real apartment thing, and part of, in fact, maybe the only benefit of that is I found my old Game Boy SP with Pokemon Red, with Pokemon Yellow, and with Pokemon Silver. So I've kind of been dipping back into that. Besides that, I've been going into Ratchet and Clank, and I'm trying to platinum that trophy. And um, making sure that I have all of my history with Uncharted in order so I can play Uncharted 4. I don't want to miss any small reference. So, yeah. That's what I've been doing. Is that all right by okay. you guys? Okay. That's right. one. Awesome. All right. So Sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to tweet our, our podcast. So that's why I'm silent and, I, and my microphone is muted. Because why is you going to hear my very, loud, very, very loud keyboard? Of course. Now, Dalo R. Lance. Of course, one of our favorite listeners. 
and watchers says, sorry, I just bought Valkyria Chronicles Remastered. I'm good on games. Hell yeah. Good. It's oh, good. I, I was forgetting about that. I was playing that too. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Everyone should get that game. We've been saying it. We've been saying it mostly Giuseppe, but we've all been saying it. Get Valkyria Chronicles. Awesome yeah, game. Mostly Giuseppe. You're not saying it enough because if you if you don't say it enough, what's right. going to happen? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he can say it enough. That's the thing. Um, all right. So we're going to go... Just say it. Just say it a lot, and maybe I'm gonna forgive you. All right. You know what we. You know what we could all say more. Please buy Battleborn. No, we. No, we cannot say that. <laughs> I will. I'll keep doing it. There, there was a pause. I was waiting for Giuseppe to fire you, but I, I guess we're just gonna skip that one. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm too busy trying to do to, to this thing, because my camera is in front of my monitor, so it's it's being challenging. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's go straight into the news. We got a lot of news this week, which is very surprising because our last podcast. Um, actually, before we go into the news, this uh, this podcast is more or less brought to you by Truant Pixel, our good friends over there who have very generously sponsored us with a ton of uh, codes to give away, which is awesome. So we're going to talk a bit about their game later because it's extremely relevant, just came out. But let's give out one copy of PlayStation 4's uh, VEV, which is Viva X Vivo. Can you do that for me, Chris? I got you right now. Um, right. Here's hoping I don't win it again. All right. You win Dalo! again, you're fired. Dallo. He actually has a PS4, so that's, that's really great news because I think he's won a few times and we haven't been able to give him anything. So, yes, I, I can speak to that. Dalo has been a great person with this where he keeps winning and <laughs> he always, always for something else. And then he's like, no, guys, give it to somebody else. All right. So that's great. Um, this is definitely. Uh, okay. I managed to do it. Yay. Awesome. All right. So that's the first. We've got two others to give away. We've also got themes. We've got Corpse Party. We've got uh, the park. We've got a lot of codes to give away. We're, we're like actually kind of sitting on a ton of these. So the more people we get, the more stuff we can give out. Let's go into the news. Can you start the news off, Giuseppe? This one, I think anything Kojima related is really your specialty. <laughs> well, it's not really my specialty. I mean, it's who the hell doesn't know about Kojima? So basically, let me see. Let me see what what was that. Sure. Uh, give me a second because I. Okay, so basically, uh, Kojima San brought up the is Kojima Productions mascot, which is called Ludens. Which for some, for the ones that don't know, like Ludus in um, in Latin means Latin means play a game, basically playing mm -hmm. games. Or and uh, uh, so Ludens mean basically is someone that plays games, and um, it's like a skeleton astronaut with a, uh, with a, a creative suit. Like it's uh, it's extra vehicular creativity suit. It is really really cool, and I'm not sure what they are going to do with it, but it's cool. So check it out. <laughs> like it's it's really something a little like eccentric because they, they they made their own like mascot and people are loving it. But we don't really know if it's ever going to appear in a game or it's ever going to be or it's just you know something that represents the philosophy. Of a uh, Kojima production, I'm not sure why this skeleton, <laughs> but right. they, they maybe they just like the little macabre thingy. So yeah, and and it's it's really really cool. Like it, it was designed by George Shinkawa. I'm not sure who actually did the 3D model, but he has this uh, 
there are some like little writings in the um, in the picture, like this extravehicular creativity creative activity suit, which is of course a a parody of the extravehicular uh, activity suit, which is the actual thing astronauts wear, and that's it. Um, pretty much, it it's very cool. Uh, that's pretty much all, all I can say about it. But tomorrow, uh, Kojima is going to is going at 10 a.m. Uh, European time is going to talk at Nord, uh, Nordic Game. Mm. Uh, so there is going to be a Q&A. It's going to be live stream. Uh, we'll see what he says. Right. Yeah, the uh, the image itself actually looked very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't macabre. know yeah, how that fits necessarily in a game. Uh, I'm okay. sure that if there's one person who can figure he's figured out much more strange things than that. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I have no doubt that he'll find a way to work that in if he wants to. But, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting. Do you see the thing, Chris, the picture? I did see the picture, and uh, it's – I trust Kojima to make everything work. You know, the thing looks really cool, and I'm also going to just gonna throw it out there. Mild similarities to uh, Isaac from Battleborn. Hashtag buy Battleborn, please. No. I don't not, think Kojima ever know, even know what Battleborn is. We're not making this happen. <laughs> that, that isn't a thing. We can't make that happen. I uh, will make it a thing. <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on to the next story. And uh, I, I know Chris has something to say about this later on, uh, specifically about how we treated Pokemon in the last episode. But I've got a, I've got a bone to pick with you guys. Speaking of bones. No, that's okay. I can, I, I can always fire you. <laughs> <laughs> but... But yeah, speaking of Bones, Yokai Watch 2 has been announced for North America. It's coming out September 30th, and the, they're going to come in two versions called Fleshy Souls and Bony Spirits. So, okay. that's I don't know, that's a weird That's name. The, that's the usual the usual scam because I I'm sorry, I called it a scam. Uh-huh. Like releasing gaming two versions like that is terrible for me. Yes. It works, but it's terrible. It's a scam. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. I'm more concerned about the names of them. I mean, because when you get Pokemon, care. you get red, you get yellow, you got uh, whatever the silver, of course. Why, why am I getting this wrong? It's literally the color. That's um, actually the usual the usual style for level five. It's it's normal for them. They did it for basically every one of their games releasing in two version. Even like Inazuma Eleven is the same kind of naming. So it's their style. All right. Well, I don't know. It just it doesn't rub me the wrong way, but it, it's just odd naming convention, I think, for kids' games that it can be taken so strangely. Um, and while we gave uh, while we gave Nintendo really uh, a shit, uh, you know, we we gave a, a really bad rant about the current animations and illustrations of Pokemon in in the latest generation. I think that. You could almost do anything better than yokai. For me, yokai are just not very appealing. I'm not really interested in that kind of game, honestly. Right. All right. So go ahead, Chris. You hated how we ripped into Pokemon. Yes. So I'm just (laughs) damn you, Giuseppe. (laughs) So I'm just gonna throw it out there, but you guys wrong, and I hate you. Uh, (laughs) So the the relish into it. My biggest issue uh, was when you guys were talking about the designs of the new starters and hating them so, so, uh, 
just so much. I I can understand. <laughs> I can understand the seal. Seal's weird, mm-hmm. but so the cat is most likely going to wind up becoming a tiger in the end. I mean, if you look at its design, the symbol that's on its head is actually a symbol on most animated tigers throughout multiple forms of Japanese media. And come on, how are you guys hate that little owl? Rowlet's adorable. It's yeah. a bowl. All right, well, if any of you watchers or listeners think that Chris is really, really wrong, and he is, uh, you can, of course, <laughs> write us in the comments or let us know. Uh, in the comments to the article or email us at lewis at dualshockers.com. I'll make sure to read it. I'll make sure to let him know how wrong he is about these Pokemon. Um, uh-uh. <laughs> oh, ho, a new trailer for King of Fighter 14 just came out. So if you're a fan, just go to YouTube and find it because I can't report about it right now. Oh, no, that must be killing you on the inside. Uh, uh, yeah, probably. Actually, right. you know what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. So next story, and this one's a very small one. I just like it. It's personal. Um, one of my favorite studios, SteamWorld Heist, comes to PlayStation 4 and Vita on May 31st. Originally, it was a Nintendo 3DS game. It's made by Image Inform, the same people who made SteamWorld Dig, which is the much better version of Dig Dug. Um, it will be coming out uh, cross-buy, so if you buy it on one platform, it'll translate to the other, and the DLC will be available from start. Just wanted to get that out there. I think they're a tremendous studio. And even though they come out first on Nintendo, which I forgive them for because they make really good indie products. I think they're one of the first studios that really got me into smaller independent games. Yep. All right. Good. Let's go into... Yes. Let's go into movie talk. There's a lot of movie news this week. Like, strangely so, almost. Uh... So, let's go into the first one. Number one, Overwatch is coming to cinemas. Even though there's no story mode to Overwatch, there are, of course, those digital shorts and the cinematic trailer, and they are being showed at some... I forget if it's Regal or if it's something uh, different. doesn't matter. It's sold out completely. Everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Sponsored by Coca-Cola. So, if you're hearing this, it's already too late. I did not get it myself. I think this is great, though. I think that the trailers themselves, no matter what you think about the game, even though most people think it's positive, most people, and I'm looking at you, Giuseppe, um, the the cinematic shorts are all very well done. I think that this is... Oh, yeah, the cinematics are great. I just think that, you know, they should have put this, they should have put those resourcing into making a story mode for the game. Oh, I can Because, you know, that. it's a game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can... Um... I could definitely agree with that. I think that it's almost a shame that they don't because there's so much personality to that game that it very much deserves to have a, a story mode or possibly a movie. And, you know, something that Battleborn obviously doesn't have. I'm uh, just throwing out there. Battleborn <laughs> does have a single player and a story mode. Hashtag by Battleborn. Moving on. Warcraft <laughs> oh, Warcraft moviegoers are going to get a free digital copy of World of Warcraft. Uh, it came... Wow. Yeah, it came to light via a press release. I mean, who the hell wants to play WoW right now? It's <laughs> so much better in the in the MMORPG space. I, I, I can't understand who would want to play WoW, but that's me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been Black like Desert. that for five years. Go play Black Desert, everyone. Go play with your horses. Go um, play anything. Like, almost everything right now is better than WoW. Hashtag buy Battleborn. <laughs> uh, we're talking about MMORPGs, Chris. 
I'll no, make it Battle happen. Battle War, not an RPG. Anyway, so of course Warcraft's coming out. Uh, if you go to select theaters, I think once again this is going to be Regal. It could also be Cineplex. All the theaters kind of merge together after a while. I know it's not AMC. I used to work there. But you can find uh, the information on the site or, uh, of course, World of Warcraft site. Uh, but anyone who goes, you can go and redeem a free digital copy of WoW if you really want to play a 13-year-old game. Um, after watching the movie, of course. So you're clearly already interested to some regard. Actually, if you want to play a 13-years-old game, go play Final Fantasy XI. Uh, oh, but good. like... My biggest issue with this, like, they're giving a free digital copy of WoW. Can't you still play WoW for free for, like, the first 20 levels of it anyway? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I, I think there's some sort of promotion like that, which makes it kind of weird, but whatever. Um, whatever. In the comments, we have Dalo says, reminds me of Smash. Um, he's talking about Overwatch. Reminds me of Smash where they foregone the story mode and took all the resources for that and put it into the marketing. Um, that might be true. I, I also think Overwatch doesn't need the marketing. Of course, they have it, but I, I, at this point, I don't even think they need it. Um, All right. It's Blizzard, so they're, they're going to sell, and there is much about it. Right. Xtema says, uh, hashtag buy Overwatch. Yeah, that, that's what we're going to start doing. Uh, yeah, okay. Next nope. thing. <laughs> next thing in movie talk, we're still talking movies. Ratchet & Clank, uh, unfortunately, while it is... The best-selling game of that genre is really bombed at the box office, which is unfortunate. There was some heavy investment from. Also unsurprising. Also unsurprising. Yeah, that, we got to get that. I clear. mean, the, the the movie the movie is great, but the the IP doesn't have much of a mass appeal. So yeah. Yeah, and also yeah, and also I'm... there has been there has been a long time since the since the last uh, Russian clan game. Uh, of course, the latest one doesn't count because you know. It it doesn't. It takes a, a, a bit of time. It takes like consistency to keep a um, to keep an IP relevant to the masses. I'm not talking about to gamers, but gamers are not enough to make a success at the box office. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I, I totally agree with that. I think that um, I don't. I, I'm not exactly sure the business move to start with, and certainly pitting it against Disney movies was a bad idea. I don't think anyone expected Zootopia to do as well as it did, <laughs> but um, I think certainly uh, Jungle Book was going to be out at the same time, and whether or not you like Jungle Book, whatever, but uh, that was going to be a much bigger critical success. So, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Did you go and see the movie, Chris? I didn't. I didn't really have time, and honestly, the the lukewarm like reviews that it received when it first came out didn't help me in going to see it. And mm -hmm. it it was the same thing. There was so there was so much else out in the theaters at the time. I'm pretty sure um, the train wreck that was Batman vs Superman was out around the same time. Right. And yeah, and I mean, the, 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 I I haven't seen it as well, but mostly because I'm I'm never very interested to you know watch movies. Uh, especially, you know, I normally wait until they come out on uh, on, on on DVD or Blu-ray and I just watch them on my own time. Yeah. But other than that, I've, though I've, I've not seen the reviews, but I heard a lot of people that loved it. Right. Possibly possibly gamers because, you know, there there is also a difference in um, 
a, a difference in uh, in reception between gamers and people that you know don't really know about the don't really know about the IP and maybe take it as like as a kids movies or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take things like that with kind of like a grain of salt too, because if it was a gamer who loved Ratchet and Clank, there's a good chance they'd love it. I know a lot of people who were huge fans of DC who wound up walking out of Batman vs Superman loving it, and as someone just looking at it as a pure analytical like movie standpoint, it was a terrible movie. I really liked it. I, oh, it wasn't bad. I didn't see it. So. Well, I'm not gonna say I liked it. I, I thought it wasn't bad. I, I thought as far you know, I, I'd prefer watch that than the Avengers, but that was just me. Um, all right, so oh. so we're gonna move past that. We're gonna highlight Dalo. Dalo Rand says actually that he watched it. So someone went. They got their ten bucks. I'm sure it cost more than ten bucks to make, but they got their ten bucks. That's what's important. Last movie story. Can we skip this one? No, I I got it because it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but that's why we have to talk about it. Um, So they've announced that a Tetris movie trilogy is coming out. It plans to be a sci-fi thriller. There is so much wrong with that statement. So much wrong. Um, We said it. We covered it. Let's move on. (laughs) Okay. I I, I refuse to talk about this. All right. For... In a world where Hollywood's run out of ideas, we have the Tetris trilogy. All right. For... Well, there is also there is also like the Emoji movie or something like that I hear. So everything can happen. The Battleship movie. I mean, Battleship is no. a board game, but that's a terrible. Battleship example. was that. Battleship was actually remotely enjoyable. It wasn't. It, a had, a, it had a story. Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. it it had somehow a story, and I mean, the Battleship game, the the old Battleship games. As a minimum of potential for a story. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's that's, that's... Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. For the sake of Giuseppe's uh, sanity, let's move on. <laughs> um, Chris, do you feel qualified to talk about the next bit? Uh, I'll talk about it. So, right. uh, Warner Brothers officially has announced Batman Return to Arkham. So, it's an HD remaster of Rocksteady's two uh, Batman Arkham games. Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Uh, it's going to release on July 26th and 29th for the PS4 and the Xbox One. And it includes all of the DLC. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what it's about, a cool thing. What about the other one? Oh, uh, Blackgate? No. No. Uh, Arkham Origins? Yes, one. that yes. one. Got it. Yeah, not um, I don't think it's because Rocks. Did Rocksteady make that? No. Off they, top no, head, they, I don't they made it. That kind of track treating it like the, the red-headed stepchild, uh, stepchild, I see. That's a yeah, shame. everyone kind of ignores it. That's a bit of a shame, I think. I think there is nothing awful about that, any worse than Arkham Knight. I still think Arkham Asylum is the best. I'm going to buy it for Arkham Asylum because that's my favorite Batman game. Probably one of my favorite Metroidvanias to date. I actually prefer um, Arkham City myself. Okay, yeah. I, I think it's all, you know, the type of games you prefer. I'm more into the open world, so... But what about Arkham Knight? Arkham Knight was good, but it wasn't perfect, and it launched with some big problems. Yeah. And, you know... The, the fact that I had to actually solve the problem by by going into the the configuration file and checking something out uh, and modify something that some that they would have to like how the hell did they did they not notice it in like three hours? Yeah, it took me three hours to find out. Yeah, and how many testers do they have? 
I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah, there's definitely a big mess up with that. Uh, hopefully, uh, that. How did they not notice that that the game lagged so badly as soon as you moved on, as soon as you activated the uh, the motion blur? Like it was so yeah. evident. As soon as I saw it, it, took me five minutes to identify that it was the motion blur, and then it took me two hours to three hours to go and find the setting on the set in the settings and deactivate it, and it sold it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and so, I'm not a coder. I'm not a professional. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Right. So my feel, my feelings on uh, Return to Arkham kind of actually line up with uh, Dalorance in the chat. He says, "I'm good on Batman. I play these games so much that I don't feel the need to buy it. It's not like when it released, it ran like crap on consoles. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where all right, line. It's hmm? a fair statement. Yeah, that's absolutely. Like right. I, personally, I don't buy remasters when I, when it's it hasn't been that long of a time. Since the, the the original release, and I played it, and I played the hell out of it. So yeah, the the only one I would have bought if I didn't get a review copy probably was the Unchar- would have been the Uncharted one, but that's because the first Uncharted looked looked really bad. Yeah, at least looked really bad for today's standards. Like there is a, a big difference between Uncharted one and its remaster. Right. On the other hand, uh, between uh, the first Arkham Arkham Asylum and I don't think there is going to be that much of a difference, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I could always go back and play those, I think. I want to read out some comments. Uh, Joms Gaming says, they don't even run at 60 frames per second. I don't understand the point. That's fair. Uh, Xtema says, some call them remasters, some will call them prequels. Um, so, because of what? I'm not exactly sure. But, um, yeah, I, I think that that's a good point. This kind of feels out of place. Uh, these Arkham games. They're coming out... We didn't say they're coming out PlayStation 4, Xbox One. I think also... They should be coming PC, right? Or did they just burn their bridges with PC? They already... No, the, the PC version was already pretty, was already good. It's probably going... You, you know, let, let's... Let's uh, let's be honest. These remasters are probably going to be the PC version. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen the screenshots and they kind of look like the PC version to me. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're a little bit improved, but... There really isn't a, a reason to release them on PC because the PC version was already at 1080p and 60 per, and whatever frame your uh, your PC like handled. So yeah, right. What the hell are you remastering them for? So it's very possible that these remasters are going to just be the PC version adapted for the new generation consoles. Right. Or similar to. All right, so we're going to move on from here. Uh, yep. Quick story. Sony filed for a trademark in the European Union Intellectual pra- uh, Patent Office, Patent Trademark Office. Um, they filed for G-Police, which was originally a PlayStation 1 game, which is actually more surprising than if we found out it was a PlayStation 2 game. Um, the implication, perhaps, is that it may be a remaster remake of the game it was originally published by SCEE um and it could very well be just a, just a protective trademark by the way or it could be a, of course a protective trademark um or this would probably be the the much uh further long shot but that they're bringing PlayStation 1 classics i don't think that would make sense cuz why would you start with uh G police uh, so I, I think I have no idea. I, I think it's just it may just be just you know we don't want to lose the IP, so let's do the trademark. Right. Could be or could be something else. You know I don't know. It but, could be. Yeah. You know. 
Well, there right. is really no way to know until until something happens or nothing happens. We have a lot of outstanding trademarks from Sony, so I'm expecting an interesting uh, E3 because I think, and you can correct me if I'm missing any, but we have Days Gone, we have the Sentinel, and we now have uh, G Police. I'm not sure if there's anything else directly from Sony, but those are outstanding trademarks we know nothing about. Didn't see anything about anything else so far, so yeah, that that those are three. But you know, there, there is there is still time. There is still a month, so there is still time to get more. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on because uh, that was a very quick story. We have some news with Nintendo. Um, Nintendo restructured restructured its uh, articles of incorporation, and for those who don't know, that's kind of the mission statement for the company itself. Uh, if you file your articles of incorporation, it'll say what exactly you want to do as a company, and you're kind of uh, legally bound to some degree to stick within those articles. So they changed their um, their articles to include uh, exploring health devices and computer software. Health devices are pretty self-explanatory. Computer software is actually different from games and music and all that because they already have a separate category for that. Um, it's unclear whether this is perhaps mobile computer software, but it's still computer software. Um, I, I think that's an interesting turn. Uh, it could be pretty much everything, you know. Computer software can uh, is actually a pretty broad category, and it actually includes console games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we've heard quality of life stuff coming from Nintendo for a while, so this might not be too out of the question. Though we haven't really, I think, seen besides we Fit you we fit the uh thing you wear the pedometer that i don't think we've really seen health devices too much so well yeah, nintendo the, used to hold you used to own hotels so you know right yeah well what i'm thinking is going to happen here and i i'm i'm surprised you guys missed the ball health devices the return of the vitality sensor guys everyone wanted to know where it went <laughs> everyone is so excited for it it's coming back can't care the less all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I that that's the worst thing possible. God forbid, like this is you know the NX happens to be some fitness device, but I'm just I, I'm still surprised they keep going with the, like this health device like way. They they have to keep it so far away from their games, especially seeing like the reception that came from the Vitality Sensor, where it was just a giant groan from the entire gaming community. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you mean like three quarters of things Nintendo does? Yes, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm currently very uncomfortable by this notion. Perhaps maybe they're going, they're considering going into the Konami. Maybe they're making another Wii Fit. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be against. I mean, making another Wii Fit would make sense instead of, you know, the vitality sensor. It would. And I think that can easily fit into all devices. Yeah, I just don't think. I, I don't know what it would be called. I mean, and that NX Fit. Or whatever. Yeah, there's no. If they called it like the new Super Wii U, I I would just I don't know what I'd do. I, I, I think the N- I think the NX is is uh, the NX is the final name, no? No, it's still the no, code it's name. Still, uh, it's yeah. still a code name. Oh, okay. What, what a bummer, right? That's that's actually a decent name. I also think. Um, what do you think about? It's gonna if, be called Nintendo Next. Just wait. Yeah, or the Nintendo Cross. Like uh, Monster Hunter X Cross. Mm. Um, all right, let's move on. 
of course, Giuseppe, you cover all of the investor stuff. There was two big ones today: Electronic Arts and Take Two. Can you? Yeah, let me bring up because they they actually they actually had a lot. Of, and I'm going to go very fast through them okay. because there is a lot of stuff, especially from Electronic Arts. It was like a five five hours of conference. It was like, stop it! Come on, <laughs> let me go eat. Let me go eat something. I'm I'm hungry. Uh, anyway, so first of all, uh, something really interesting uh, that I totally predicted. Um, they revealed that they that the World War One setting for Battlefield One, as initially was absolutely rejected by the executive in charge, and then Dice uh, pushed, pushed, and pushed, and they managed to to actually get it approved. And in the beginning, it was simply simply like, oh, it's French trench warfare. This is never going to be fun. And I totally and absolutely uh, predicted it. Like, I can Im- I can imagine imagine the scene of someone going to try and pitch a World War One game in the big one of the biggest AAA shooter franchises ever. Mm-hmm. I can I can see the executive in charge looking at this guy like this. What the hell are, are you drunk tonight or something like that? You know. Right. Uh, then uh, Electronic Arts actually want to grow its market share, which at the moment is uh, one time they say 25% in shooters and, and another, another time they say 18%, so I'm not sure which is which. Yeah. But they want to grow it thanks to both Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1 in the winter. Let's see if they manage. They seem to have a position of strength at the moment. Then, let's move on. Uh, they say that Mass Effect Andromeda is going to use a crowd technology from... <laughs> From PGA Tour game, interesting. from the golf game. That's pretty interesting. This one was actually pretty interesting. Battlefield One horses are in, animated with motion captures. This is something I I really would be curious to see happen. How the hell do you put a horse in a motion capture suit or something like that? Like that's right. that's awesome. Yeah. Like really. As today I was speaking with a developer. Uh, I was playing a game with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, for the review, they 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 were organizing some multiplayer section sections with the developer and the developers, and we were talking about motion captures, and it was like, oh yeah, they're probably just going to come out with a very very smelly motion capture studio at the end, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's probably true. So uh, they also say that they have a couple of mystery titles for fiscal year 2018. Which starts uh, on uh, April 1, 2017, actually. And they actually are thinking to reinvent some old IPs, which I have no idea which one they meant. Uh, then they explained that why Star, Star Wars Battlefront had no single player campaign. And they basically admitted flat out that it was because they wanted to get it out in time for the movie, uh, which I guess commercially makes sense. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people were very angry about that, but. Mm, you know, they have a big, super big movie that comes out after after a year. The series is not coming out, and you're not going to release a game on at the same time. Really, come on. I, I mean, let, let, let's be honest here. Uh, I can definitely see why. Right. But they did admit that to actually become big and really break out, shooters need a single player story, and they are going to course correct it if if they make another one. Uh, they say if, but they forget that they forgot that the recent investor call. They actually admitted that another one is being made. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, so we learn another thing that's interesting. Uh, a new Unravel is coming out. 
And Morgan was absolutely fangirling about that because she loves it. Uh, and, and understandably, because it's, it was adorable. Uh, yeah, a new arrival is coming out and it's going to be published by Electronic Arts again. Good. Um, so, another one. Um, Electronic Arts is not worried about Battlefield 1's partnership with Xbox One. But it's understandable why would they be worried? But they actually think that partnering with one console uh, actually increases uh, awareness of the game across the board, which is actually true because, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Sony or it's uh, Microsoft, they're going to give you marketing money. They're going to give you basically free marketing. So, yeah, yeah I think having the support of a first party, whichever this third party is, is going to make your game be shown. There is no... Um, no other no other option about it. Another interesting one is that other publishers seem to want to include their games in EA Access and Origin Access. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but they just say that there are part, uh, other publishers knocking at the door. They didn't say anything more than that. Uh, they pledged platform independence because they they it lets them uh, you know move their games whenever they want. Uh, they they're moving to one engine with the Frostbite with that for every game they have, and that's very smart on their part because they have one engine if it works it works um then uh they say uh, there is one thing that is, it's in, in, interesting they say they they say that, that, that there is a huge opportunity for them in action gender and we knew that they were working on action games one from um motive the new studio in, in montreal mm-hmm. and uh, uh based on the star wars uh franchise but in the in the slide bioware was listed between the developers who were making an action game so i'm not sure about what what what's gonna happen there hmm. uh, they also say that ea access is is performing beyond the widest expectations and i'm not surprised about that uh they shared a recipe about making great games which is basically uh craftsmanship x depth x breath x different differentiation and service and stability that's hmm. their equation but we'll see if they manage, you know. I'm right. trying to go fast because, you know, yeah. I don't want to, to go ahead. And, and and the last one was that they were kind of saying that uh, while they're not announcing any acquisition at the moment, they're kind of considering it. They kind of teased it a little bit. Like the, the, the wording was... Um, so I'm not announcing any acquisition today, no surprise, but I will say that we, that we feel like we have earned the right to at least look at things that we hadn't done before because now we have the model working better. So I think they're 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 thinking to acquire something. So hide your hide your sisters, guys, because um, <laughs> EA is coming. Right. Uh, and this is it for EA, pretty much. Do you guys have any comment? I know I, I went really fast through it. No, I think I think you summed up everything pretty well i think we go straight to take two okay so there is take two as well which was tonight uh luckily that wasn't five hours so (laughs) i actually had dinner um so the most important thing that they said is that rockstar games is going to announce exciting projects plural soon awesome so that's like rockstar games has always been in one game studio so i'm actually pretty interesting this seems like they have more than one coming they say mm-hmm. nothing about what they are and uh, they also say that sorry i was gonna say some hint 
Um, and this isn't necessarily pinned down to Rockstar, of, co of course, but there was that trademark filing uh, mysteriously by Take-Two uh, for Judas. Sentinel. Ah, uh, Judas, right. Right. Yeah, well, they also say that, that 2K game, both 2K, but, sorry, uh, uh, 2K games and Rockstar are working on games from both renowned franchise and new IPs, and that's for fiscal year 2018 and beyond. And as usual, 2018 means from uh, uh, April 1st, 2017. So the, there are some new IPs coming. So mm -hmm. that's possibly Judas. They also said that they're not ruling out remasters of their games, but only if they look great creatively. Creative, creatively. It, they're not looking at remasters as an idea of making a quick buck. Right. And by the way, they also said that uh, all the games are coming out this fiscal year, so until March 31st, mm. uh, 2017, have right. been announced. So the whole Bioshock remastered thingy collection probably was a fake because it right. hasn't been announced. Uh, I doubt they're going to to come, make it come out like a, some, that something rumored now, and it was like I think it was like listings on uh, in on retailers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think there is anything listed on retailer leaked at the moment that comes out past like March, actually April 2017. So that was probably either a fake or a mistake. Also, last little detail, they're saying that Rockstar is having tremendous success with this PS4 release on PS2. Not surprising. And they actually have three of the top five games on um, between the PS2 classics on PS4. They didn't say which ones, but I'm probably going to be the, like the three Grand Theft Auto yeah. games. Of course. Uh, why is it new EPS are riskier? Sorry, XTEMI. Oh, X well, that's for, that's for the question okay. segment later on. Yeah, okay. Let's go on. Let, let, let's keep that in mind and let's go on. Okay. All right, so moving on. This is going to be the um, the last story for the news. We're going to do a giveaway right after for Vev again. Uh, Truant Pixels, Vev. But uh, Dark Souls, the board game. Uh, the Kickstarter just ended, and it ended with $5.4 million in funding, which is incredible seeing how the original goal was only $72,000. Um, did any of you guys buy it? No, I didn't. I, I don't have anyone to play board games with, so... <laughs> right. We need a board game podcast. We'll get that underway. But that's, um, that's great news. I, I think it is one of the most funded... Uh, Kickstarters right board under games. Bloodstained. Oh. Yeah, but that's the board game, so it has its own category, I guess. Yeah. All right, so let's do another giveaway now. Uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> Dalo Rance uh, is going to be uh, barred from this one, so we'll keep doing giveaways until we find out who the true winner is. But can you do that, Chris? And here we go. Not me, no. Nope. <laughs> Dual Shockers keeps. Keep going, keep rolling. Take that. Viewers. Oh my god. This is nepotism. Oh, You're fired. <laughs> what is happening? Oh my god, what is this? Alright, well, while we continue to roll this, we're going to start asking a question. Oh, you already got it, so do it again. Oh, it. Ah! <laughs> got it. <laughs> took, it took you only five attempts. There we go. Extema. There we go. Extema. Make sure... Um, well, we got two of them, so we got two 
two webs to go to to give, right? No, no, no. Dalo already got it. Mr. Moxie Mans is Chris, and Extema is. Ah, Mr. Moxie Mans is Chris, really? Yes. Did bad you name. Get the Twitter handle under me? <laughs> anyway, oh, you suck. Uh, so we're, we're going to do one more giveaway later on. We still have one more code and we're going to talk about Vev a little bit later. Um, so we're going to go into the question segment. Of course, if you have a question for us, leave it in the comments, leave it in the YouTube video in the comments there, or you can, um, email us at Lewis at dualshockers.com or join us every eight, uh, every Wednesday at 8 30 PM Eastern. And just let us know like these fine people have. Uh, first question is going to come from Xtema. He says, why is it new IPs are riskier than it was a decade ago? New players are coming in ev uh, every year anyways, I think. So, why do you think? It's pretty easy. Okay. Pretty easy, because now, now games cost more to make. <laughs> yeah. At least, like, AAA games. And if you want to create a big new IP, you mean you need to make it AAA yet. Unless you are, like, a super lucky and super talented indie, game, indie developer that can like do a runaway success. But if you are a big publisher, you need to do an AAA game if you want to create a new IP, and they cost a lot more now than they costed back then. So that's really pretty simple. Right. For, yeah. Uh, you go ahead. Yeah, so I was, I was going to bring up the, 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 the best example, and I've, I've kept talking about it all, all uh, stream, but so Battleborn is Mute the him. new IP Mute him. Box. Mute him. No, but Battleborn... <laughs> doesn't get the traction that say um most games are getting now if we if gearbox announced borderlands 3 the internet would explode and everyone would be going completely insane but gearbox is like hey here's this other colorful humorous game battleborn and everyone was like oh all right you know so it's right. even even a bigger studio isn't like immune to the risk that comes with releasing a new ip yeah, I suppose. Uh, my answer to this question is actually going to be that uh, new IPs aren't are have always been risky. Uh, we've just seen a different switch to IPs because when video games first came out, uh, well, of course they were experimental, but one of the first things that started coming out were licensed games, and that was really kind of the repeat IPs were these games based on the movies, games based on TV shows, and they just didn't work out as well because, uh, you know, even though licensed property was at times good, most of the times it was bad, eventually video games, after a certain period, built up its own culture to which they can start repeating it. So even though we see um, remakes of games, uh, it, it's not unusual. We used to, uh, to see remakes of movies or remakes of books, uh, remakes of cartoons um, we're just noticing remakes of games becoming more prevalent because I think we have a larger culture to draw from but also yeah it's it's a much uh, easier risk uh, to take for a development and publishing standpoint uh, yeah definitely all right so another question we have if you, if you if you if you want to make it a new IP you need to support it and that's that's a big cost right um, so next question we have from Dalo. Uh, Dalo says, w uh, with remasters being a slight topic, seeing how we've just kind of talked about it, uh, you could, uh, remaster a game, uh, you could will, you could will a remaster of a game into existence. What are some games you want? It could be anything, uh, just not games from last gen. So what do you think? Mm. Tough one. I'll go first. All right. So, um, 
the first one that I want, and uh, it wasn't the greatest game in the world, but I loved it beyond anything, was Gundam Journey to Jabara on PS2. Make that again, because I love that Gundam game. Fair. All right. Do you okay. have something, Giuseppe? Well, yeah, that's pretty easy for me. Valkyria Chronicles 2 and 3 on PS4 or PS Vita or both. Right. Uh, for me, I have a particular love of of GameCube games. So uh, mine, mine are going to be unconventional at best. I'm going to say I would love a Chibi Robo remake that isn't awful. Uh, but that's that's just me. I know that is a slight, very, very slight minority of people who actually want a Chibi-Robo game at all. But the original I thought was amazing and certainly limited at by the times. Um, what the hell is Chibi-Robo? Uh, it's an IP from Nintendo that just didn't turn out well. Ah, uh, okay. Like many things they do. Um, of course, there's, there's a million Super Nintendo games that deserve to be remade, uh, and that's where I grew up, but... That's the one I'm going to stick with at the moment. Um, you, you know what was another great GameCube game I would like? Custom Robo. Ah, oh, Custom Robo was very good. Well, another one of those. Um, all right, so that's going to be all the questions for today. We're, we're trying to keep shorter episodes. We're trying to see how this works. But we're going to go into the topic of the show, and today's topic of the show is reviews, criticism, and fairness. Now, normally we've been going off of relevant games at the time, and this isn't particular. This doesn't have to do with a relevant game, but we're gonna go. It's gonna go into review roundup. It's also gonna go into eight bit idiot a little bit, but um, we we want to just talk about review policy. Give you guys a peek behind the curtain of what we do at Dual Shockers, how things goes uh, go down, how we aggregate our reviews and edit our reviews, and make sure that everything is top quality for you guys because we do try to push out three uh maybe more reviews a week uh this week specifically we probably have five or six going out uh depending on what's happening so do you want to talk about review policy i, I know that this is a major thing for you giuseppe yep uh aren't you the review editor i am the review editor and i i can speak at length so, about this so i can talk okay to so basically the our review policy is actually pretty simple and i would just say i'll our game is given to a reviewer. Uh, that's something that a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, how you decide who reviews what? And I'm going to tell, to tell you straight out, that the, it's very easy to, to decide who reviews something, isn't it, like, in Louis? Uh, since we decided together, uh, pretty much the, the, the biggest, the most important way we decide uh, how where a review goes, we just look at who loves a certain genre and who loves a certain kind of game and who is passionate about it. Like, if I see someone, especially from my point of view as a news editor, if I see that a writer has covered every single piece of news he comes across about the game, it means he's, he's uh, competent about that game and he's passionate about it and he is very likely to give it a very fair shake and a very, you know, detailed and in-depth shake. So that's going to be a major, major, major thing for uh, for a reviewer. Uh, I've been working in this environment, uh, even not a dual shockers, for 18 years. And there is one thing that I've, been, I've seen a lot 
before coming to Dual Shockers. I've seen a lot of writers that are like, oh yeah, I, I love I, I wanna I wanna write a review of the big AEA game. So I never cover news about it. But yeah, I'm gonna ask for it anyway. So and that that doesn't fly at Dual Shockers. If you don't cover news about something, it's very unlikely that we're going to judge you um, passionate about passionate enough about that something to warrant giving you the review for that game. So that's a major thing. Of course, we also look at availability. If someone has like four reviews lined up in the same period, it's pretty unlikely it's going to get a fifth. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we, we don't want to kill people yet. Right. Also, but that's pretty much the most important thing. That's one. Uh, Lou, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I definitely have something to add. And this is something we're going to talk about later on uh, based off of, uh, our 8-Bit Idiot, and a bit in the review roundup uh, for some of the reviews we've done so far this week. But we think that reviews, um, which take, uh, as far as things go, you know, we could write plenty of news stories in the times we do a review. Um, so they don't necessarily get the, uh, get the views that maybe breaking news does. But we do it because it's a service, not only to you guys, but it's also, we think that's also a service for the developers. Um... We want to make sure that when we write a review, that it's not only extremely fair and gives you guys the right idea of what kind of game uh, you're possibly investing in, especially what they've marketed the game as, but we also want to let the developers know fairly uh, and you know accurately what what we've noticed in the game, what they can fix, what they can improve on, how they can reiterate on this game in the future to make it a better experience. Um, exactly. So uh, there is also another thing. There yeah. are two. There is there is an important thing uh, that I want to talk about, which is fairness uh, and responsibility. Mm-hmm. There is a. I've noticed a, one thing that uh, I read a lot of reviews. I used to read much more review, many more reviews than uh, before, because uh, like five years, ten years ago, reviews were a lot more fun for me to read. At the moment, a lot of reviews have, uh, like, they give me this mental image. And it's going to be fairly disturbing. So if you're sensitive, maybe don't listen. Uh, Basically, when I read a review from certain sites that I'm not going to name, I pretty much imagine the guy or the girl writing the review standing on a soapbox Mm -hmm. and rubbing their crotch on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like that's the idea it gives. But basically, the, those reviews are not about the game, but are about the reviewer. Mm-hmm. Like me, 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 me. They're like just singing like that. Me, me, me. My taste, my opinion, my opinion. I want you to listen to my opinion, and right. then rubbing the crush on your face. Uh, so pretty much, that's the, that's the, the the sentiment that comes out of a lot of reviews, and that's not what we want here at Dual Shockers. So here at Dual Shockers, we want reviews to be a service for our readers, first of all, and we feel the responsibility towards both our readers and the developers that have worked for uh, years on a game. Mm-hmm. And the responsibility goes in three ways, basically. Uh, first of all, the reader, we are responsible towards our readers because we, we are playing with their money. We are giving them purchasing uh, advice. purchasing advice. Yeah. So in the end, if we tell you that the game is great and you hate it, 
we basically made you spend your money for nothing. So that's the responsibility. Also, on the other side, if we tell you that the game is shit and you miss on it and you may have liked it, you don't lose money, but you still lose a good, you still miss on a good experience. So there is also that part of responsibility. It's twofold. It's not just not making you spend money for nothing, but it's also giving you ideas for a game that you may actually like. Secondly, towards the developers, because like it or not, even if we're not in Metacritic, we are still an open critic. In any case, uh, doesn't matter how big or small your site is, doesn't matter how, how if your review is, is read by three people or 300,000 people, in the end, you're still, in a small or big way, you're influencing the livelihood of people that work on it. Mm-hmm. Because if, a game, if you shit on a game that doesn't deserve to be shit on, this game loses sale. Could be one sales, could be one million sales. But in the end, that's not meaning that we need to be nicer with the games that we should be. But it means that at any moment in which we uh, judge someone else's work, we need to be conscious of the fact that we have the responsibility. There is no other thing that more fitting than the usual Spider-Man quote that with great power comes great responsibility. And even if the power is not great, it's still a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important that every moment, at any moment in which you're reviewing a game, you're considering the fact that you're playing with people's work and respect that work. Yeah. I've seen a lot of reviews that don't respect the game that come out. Mm-hmm. You can be absolutely negative and criticize a game very harshly, but you still need to do it with respect yeah. because it's other people's work. And if you want your work to be respected, then you need to respect other people's work. There is really no way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's it really is something that it, you have to do a service to the people. That's what a review is in the end, just like Giuseppe said. Because speaking of, from mostly from a consumer standpoint, and uh, this story is more of back when I was in GameStop. I think I got hired about six months after the original Homefront came out. And Homefront was met with like a lot of 7s out of 10s, which is a good score, which I don't think people... Uh, I don't Understand. think people see as much anymore. Yeah, seven a seven out of ten. It's a good game. So um, GameStop, after X amount of time, winds up taking new games and does a thing called convert to pre-owned. So if the game did not sell well, after X amount of time, they will make it a pre-owned game. As a used game, Homefront sold incredibly well because there's the option to return it. And I had a lot of repeat customers who come back and like, this is a great game. I don't understand why you know it was it was scored so low and that was a newer ip that i mean we're getting a sequel now but how many years later that could have done so much better if the word was put out more responsibly you know i think there's a lot of a lot of sites that put so much emphasis just on the score itself and the opinion piece of the of the reviewer like giuseppe was saying that what's in the game winds up getting lost right yeah, ultimately, you know, uh, we see a lot of reviewers at the moment that simply want to put out their idea, their uh, their personality more than the game. Mm-hmm. So you see this this idea that you know, it's not it's not anymore about the game; it's about me, and that's bad. I've 
you know, one of the first games that I reviewed a long time ago was the first Pets. Mm-hmm. That uh, was, like, couldn't be as far from me. It right. was still when I was working on, print, on, on printer press. Couldn't be far so uh, more f- farther than than a game that I can enjoy. I absolutely hated the experience. You know what? Still gave me the hate. Why I gave you the hate? Because putting myself in the shoes of the target of that game, that is definitely different from me. But putting myself in their shoes, I could easily see that it was a quality game. So mm-hmm. it was a good game, and it deserved a good review. Of course, I still put a little bit of a thing if you are uh, a little bit of a personal comment but it was a small comment saying if you're a gamer like me you probably won't enjoy this game but if you're a gamer that is inside the target of this game you're probably going to enjoy it a lot mm-hmm. which is the same I, I honestly do not like mario games i had to review mario games i gave right. it i i i gave it the last the latest one i i played i gave it an eight as well because it was a quality game mm-hmm. um I hear a lot of a lot of people saying reviews are opinion pieces. It's true, and that's not true. Yeah, uh, reviews are not your usual op-ed. Uh, an opinion piece is all opinion. A review should be a balanced mix of your opinion and a fair. I don't say objective because objectivity is difficult to 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 identify, but right. fair assessment of the game's quality which is something that your readers can relate. Because the important thing is that you're not reviewing the game for you. You already have a review copy, so you don't need to buy it. Right. You're reviewing the game for your readers, so you need to relate to your to your readers and tell them, you might like this game or you might not like this game. So it's a very important thing for a reviewer to try to detach himself a little bit from, detach the review a little bit from himself and put it more in the respect in the perspective of the ones that are going to 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 read it because they are the ones that are going to decide to buy the game or not mm-hmm. and uh, you know if i review a mario games a mario game most of the people that are going to read my review are people that potentially may like a mario game right. i don't but if i just shit on it because i don't like mario I'm, i i am doing a disservice to these people Right. And I see a lot of people that don't care about that. That kind of, and in fact, this is one of the things that we, as editors at Dual Shockers, hammer very, very insistently with our writers: is put yourself in the shoes of the people that have to play this game or to read your review. Not step outside of your shoes, because if you want to, if you want to, to, to to write your opinion, like something focused on your opinion, it's absolutely fine. Write an opinion piece. Go right. to Ryan, which is our, our, our uh, editorial, our, our um, editor dedicated to opinion pieces, and pitch an opinion piece to him and write an opinion piece. There is absolutely nothing wrong in writing an opinion piece, a very opinionated opinion piece on a game, but that's for an opinion piece separated from the review. The review needs to be as fair as possible, mm-hmm. as as connected with our readers as possible, more than your personality. Yeah. All right, I think that's that was a great discussion on that. We have some comments, but we're not. We're just gonna keep going because we have a lot of stuff to talk about still, um, and we do still want to do another giveaway uh, portion. 
but we're going to go into review roundup before we do 8-Bit Idiot, and we're going to talk about our reviews a bit more. Um, so far, the only people... Chris, you can't review things. I'm sorry. That uh, happens. But Giuseppe, you and I reviewed something this week, so I think, yeah, this is a nice place to talk about it. Uh, tell us a bit about Gundam Breaker 3. You reviewed that. Well, Gundam Breaker 3 is an interesting game because uh, because that's that's one game that, that you actually have to put yourself in the shoes of the people that that want to play it because if you if you just look at it from a general point of view mm-hmm. uh, you just say oh the fighting in this game is not that that incredible uh, so yeah crap game but Gundam Breaker game Gundam Breaker is a game made for people that um, that actually love just customizing and uh, creating their Gundam right so and for that the game is incredible yeah so so that's the important thing that you need to put yourself in the shoes of the game and and strike a balance between these two things so the game is not incredible for fighting and that, of course that's not a positive and because there is a lot of fighting you have to do in the right. game but the game is incredible for customizing your Gundam so that's something that maybe would be secondary in another game. Like if you look at an MMR and an RPG, and mm-hmm. a normal RPG, and the game is not so stellar, but it has a great character creation suit. You don't really care that all that much. It's not going to pull the score all that, that much up. It's not going to be as much more of a positive review just because it doesn't have a character creation suit. Suit, right? right. But in this game, the the customization of your Gundam is a central part of the game and so the game is made to cater to people that want to do that and love to do that and that's an important thing for 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 reviewers to consider so it's if you if you love nothing more than customizing your gundam and uh, and building your gundam up your ideal gundam that you dreamed when you were a kid and we were looking at the anime or even now then that's a game for you no no doubt about it yeah awesome um so, Chris, can you roll again for... Let's see if we even have a new person to win right now. Um, I mean, the only person in here who hasn't won yet is Now That's Gaming. All right. So, so let's get so it. He, he wins. Yeah, he wins. Uh, this is my, my authority decision. He wins. All right. Hey. So, Now That's Gaming, you won the last copy we have of Vev. I'm going to talk about it a little bit right now. I reviewed it this week, and I gave it... This is... Of course, by Truant Pixel. Truant Pixel very generously uh, donated all these copies. Um, friends of the show, uh, friends of the show, friends of the website. Very nice people. They're friends of ours. I gave their game a five out of ten. Uh, it was as far as I considered it an average game based on how they marketed it. But um, you know, like uh, like developers should and do. Hopefully, most of the time they they looked at it and they actually thought that what I brought up was very constructive. Uh, to give a little bit of a back background to what it is, Vev Viva X Vivo is almost a simulator kind of experience game. It was marketed as an arcade shooter. It's not really. It's very much an experience game, and it's coming with a free add-on to PlayStation VR. So if you won this game, it means you already have your first PlayStation VR game. Congrats. But you're playing as a Eukaryote um which is, I believe, some sort of biological thing. Uh, but it's you're going to explore the uh, 
some environments, some biological environments, and basically see how long you could sustain. Uh, what the amazing part of it is, it's a really unique kind of experience. You don't really get too many games inside the body of something, or realistically inside the human body or inside something like that. Um, and the graphics are gorgeous. While I didn't personally find the game, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic game based on the TV. I can tell that as soon as I get the PlayStation VR and I get that add-on, it's going to be a phenomenal game. I told them that it is in my review. It's kind of like the difference between playing DDR with your, um, you know, with your controller, which you can do, or playing it on a DDR dance pad. Uh, you know, one is absolutely functional and will make a game, but the other one is the real way to experience that game. So, yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy the game. Uh, congrats to everyone who won, and thanks to Pixel for uh, donating these copies. Very generous of you guys. So, yeah, that's okay. the review. Do we have any more reviews? No, we're done. No, not no one that we've done. Let's go into 8-Bit Idiot. Once again, our favorite segment, where we highlight a trouble area in the industry. And you know what? I really thought that this was going to be the week. This absolutely was going to be the week where we couldn't find anything, seeing how we recorded on a Friday. So we only have like four or five days to find something stupid. And we found it. Um, everyone should know about this. I, you know, the klaxons were, uh, you know, rang across the internet. Washington Post gave Uncharted 4 a 4 out of 10. In the worst written review I've ever read. Did you see this? Yeah, that that was that wasn't a review. <laughs> that, that <laughs> you was, can't even call that a that review. That was a, a perfect uh, example of me, 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 me. Rub my crotch in your face. Uh, yeah. Right. Can you love my crotch in your face? Yeah, we're gonna actually switch over really quickly to a tweet from the uh, from the author who tweeted this right after he wrote it, and we don't want to misquote him, so we, we gave a bit of the conversation. Uh, but basically what he said was, the game wants to be a toilet, but it only but it is only ever usable as a urinal. Maybe if developers had dug a second hole. How, how can you be this disrespectful yeah. with other people's work? And this absolutely invalidates the review. Well, this this right this particular writer has a fame for being a contrarian, so for trying to you know bash right. games that are popular. But first of all, a writer that is a contrarian shouldn't write reviews, probably. No. Because absolutely. a writer that is, that is a contrarian like that just artificially tries to find things to bash, right? Instead of actually giving games a fair run, right? So that's bad. Yeah. And secondly, that. That's that's really the wrong target, honestly. Because, I, I mean, you can you can like or dislike Uncharted 4, but but if you if you dislike it and you give it a four, actually, first of all, let's 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 put something. There was no score in the review, because uh, that the reviews from the Washington Post and from the uh, Com Comic Riff, which is a a part of the Washington Post that takes care of. Uh, of uh, video games, pop yeah. culture, uh, comics, uh, TV series, they don't have scores. Mm -hmm. And uh, since it's a Metacritic, uh, Metacritic actually requires scores, so that this is the shadiest thing ever. Basically, instead of having a publicly written score, uh, they privately tell Metacritic their score. Yeah, which is crazy. Absolutely weird. It's arbitrary. So basically, there is absolutely no score interview, 
and Metacritic just and, and Metacritic gets the exclusive on the score of that review. So and and that turned out to be a four. But you know what? The score itself is unimportant. The problem is that if you read about it, if you uh, if you read the content of the review, because honestly, I care about the content of a review a lot more than the score. If you read the content, it's just about the reviewer. It's not about the game. It doesn't really analyze anything. It yeah. just it's just a whole like weird philosophical dissertation on nothing, sophistry all the way yeah. through. Oh, and that's yeah. horrible. But there is another thing too that I want to cover before before I pass the word to you guys. Okay. And I listen to your opinion as well. Um, this is a case in which one of the many cases lately we are seeing something that every time a review gets criticized or if journalists get criticized, we see other journalists lifting the shields and trying to to defend them. Like, I've seen articles trying to defend these journalists, trying to paint the gamers that criticized the review as maniacs that threatened this guy. Because, of course, these articles always go and cherry-pick the tweets, like the few tweets in which someone maybe puts, puts in a threat or something, or some uh, harassment or something like that. Of course, they are not representative of gamers. They're right. not representative of the criticism this person received that most of the time was on point. But, of course, these people that are trying to defend them do one thing they cherry pick the most nasty tweet they can find find and try to paint a false picture on gamers trying to make them look that like they are harassers and stuff like that right uh, as in general and like this person is a victim for uh, being harassed and criticized well you know what it's time for I'm not saying that harassing is good Racing is bad. Racing is terrible. You should absolutely people should not do that. But the internet is is like that. There is all kinds on the internet, and people get harassed for all things. So, I'm being harassed. Uh, people are use use a lot the I'm being harassed as an excuse for what they did, or he is being harassed for to defend someone. On the other hand. People, uh, reviewers or critics or game journalists need to start learning to take responsibility for what they write. I was saying that before with the responsibility thing, it's important that we learn. We, we shouldn't think that and admit that we can be harassed, but we learn that we can be criticized. Right. I'm not talking about harassment. I'm talking about criticism. And I see a lot of people write, writing in the industry that think that it is my opinion it can't be criticized and that's mm -hmm. not true our readers readers are those that pay your ways in the end so if they think your review is shit then they should be allowed to tell you that your review is shit right and you should not necessarily bend to criticism but you should at least take in criticism and learn from it right after you take in criticism and learn from it you can dismiss it, maybe. But you need at least to listen to it. We need to learn that we can be criticized. My opinion is not an excuse for writing whatever we want. Right. Without taking responsibility for it. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer a question, actually, that we got. Uh, T3NGig says, don't all games have good and bad 
points to them. If they didn't, it would imply the possibility of a perfect game. You're saying the Washington Post was unfair towards a game, right? Well, isn't it subjective what people judge to be a good a game's good or bad points? And this is how I respond. Um, it's totally fair for, for someone to dislike a game, even to dislike a game that I like or possibly the fans like uh, of that writer. That's, you know, everyone's allowed to have an opinion on a game and be able to judge it how they want. But the point comes that, and this is what we just spoke about before when we were talking about reviews, is that this is a service. It's it's Reviews can be, of course, just opinion pieces uh, of you just flaunting your opinions willy-nilly uh, without being beneficial to someone. Uh, and really, that's not a review, that's an opinion, and that's fine. But what you should aim for, at least as a writer, at least as a reviewer, is to be helpful. To be helpful to some... And this review very clearly wasn't helpful towards anyone, be it the Washington Post readers, be it to Naughty Dog. This review blatantly was really just contrarian for the negative. Yeah, it was... It, they were trying to get clicks. Um, I, I write bad reviews all the time. I, I don't necessarily play games I enjoy... Or, play good games sometimes. Sometimes I play bad games. But what I make sure to do is I make sure to let people know that. Uh, let the let the developers understand what I didn't like and what, you know, to some objective points, to some point that I can base it in reality. Um, you know, this is what you should fix in the future. This is what really rubbed me the wrong way. This is what the readers, I assume, won't like. Um, and if, you know, if I don't enjoy a game, and I know that my readers would, I have to give the fair shake of saying, listen, I understand this game isn't for me, but this, you know, this is clearly a terrific experience to some regard uh, if you're, you know, if you're a fan of this genre. So... Yeah, well, ultimately... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so... Yeah, what you're, you're, what you're saying is completely right. I, I agree with you. Yes, it is subjective for people to judge games good and bad points... But this wasn't that. What Washington Post did was, uh, or not Washington, it's unfair to say Washington Post, because even there's a comment from a Washington Post writer saying, I've never disagreed with an opinion on my site so much more than this. What this specific author did was be unhelpful on unprecedented levels almost, in a way to yeah, just well, garner said... reviews. Go ahead. Well, very simply, as I said before, uh, yes, there is a degree of subjectivity, but there has to be a, de a degree of objectivity. There has to be a degree of fairness. Uh, and uh, reviews are not and should not be completely biased opinion pieces. Mm -hmm. They should be a mix between a fair assessment of the quality of the game and your opinion. And this uh, review was only an exclusive, exclusively the writer's opinion. Actually, you know what? I honestly think, uh, um, I honestly think that it wasn't even his, his real opinion because these kind of contrarian pieces normally are just an artificial opinion written and like constructed to be contrarian. Right. It's really uh, it's regardless of what the author actually thinks. You know what? I can write absolutely inflammatory contrarian pieces if I want to but of course it's not my job to do that but if I wanted to I could write something that makes that makes that review absolutely pale you just need to know where to dig 
and uh, that's about any and every game. This this guy actually defined the Dark Souls three the worst game ever made. Um, you know, it's simply a matter of yes, you can put some opinion in your review. There is room for that, but it, the review simply needs to be not about you, but needs to be about your the game and about your readers. Most most mostly, right. there is some room for you, but it needs to be you talking rationally about the game not you rubbing your crotch in the face of the reader and this honestly this is the perfect example of a writer rubbing his crotch in the face of the readers that's perfect Um, now we kind of boxed you out here chris uh can you tell us how you feel uh the like like i was saying before it's it's not a review this this was just a scathing opinion piece where like just said it this can't even this is most likely not even the person's opinion in the end, because it's it's too far in one direction. Right. My my biggest issue that comes with this review, if you could even call it that, is there is I think only one sentence that winds up talking about gameplay. And if well, I that's true. Yeah. If I'm remembering it, it's like he's like, oh, how many times can you turn a doorknob and start falling down? I'm like that. That's Uncharted. It's an adventure game. Things go wrong. Right. The the moral of the story could be Nathan Drake survives terrible falls. We get it. But the game's a fun game. It's it's always a well-made game. You don't have to like it, but it's not like this game is full of bugs. It's full like it's got terrible graphics. The gunplay on it is good. It's a breathtaking game. Like there's there's not much that you could actually sit here and be like this deserves a terrible score because this is a terrible game, you're you're free to not like it, um, you know like it's cool, but talk about the game, talk about right. something that's that's your responsibility as reviewers to talk about the game, not talk about your own opinion. The guy in the beginning of the review was like, oh the game should have ended at Uncharted one, so why are you playing this one? You right. already you're coming into this knowing hey, I'm not gonna like this i don't like the game so if you can't separate your opinion from how the game is don't do it right all right there is also a last point i want to make sure it's the the worst responsibility in this case and in the case of any reviews that are disrespectful of the of the writer of the sorry of the of the of the developers of the game of the readers and uh uh, ultimately, just someone standing on a softbox trying to push his own agenda, whichever the agenda is, instead of talking about the game, is not just of the reviewer itself. That's sure he, he has a responsibility, but the worst problem lies on the editor that actually greenlighted that review. Because I can absolutely guarantee that if a review like that comes up to my desk or to Lou's desk, that writer is going to be sat back to write the review again on the double. Mm-hmm. And not because the review is negative, but because the review doesn't talk about the game. It talks about him. And uh, if Lou ever lights something like this, <laughs> I guarantee it, Lou is fired. Got it. All right, well, I think that's a great place to end up on. Um, well, let's talk upcoming games really quickly, and we're wrapping everything up. Uh, for upcoming games... May 17th, we got Perfect Universe coming out on PlayStation 4. May 19th, we got Digger Dan DX for Nintendo 3DS. Um, November 20th, you got Cubicolor 
for PlayStation 4. And 24th is the biggest day. May 24th, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan coming to 360, PC, PS3, PlayStation 4, Xbox One. We have Total War Warhammer coming to... No, not Wii U. What? <laughs> no, I was like, what, what about Wii U? <laughs> um, May Sorry, 24th... I'm such a sadistic guy. We also have Total War Warhammer coming out on PC, and expect to see a review from us uh, for that. Uh, May 24th, also Overwatch for PC. Uh, thanks again for joining, everyone. Uh, we're on social media. You can find us all the time, anywhere. Uh, just go to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Someone but... mute him, please. <laughs> That's <laughs> another game that you should expect to see. I'm, I'm doing a review for that one. Uh, hopefully we get it early. If we don't get it early, then you'll see it soon after. But it, this is one that really will depend on the meta of the multiplayer after it goes, you know goes into practice uh also on the 24th we have the last blade 2 coming out on playstation 4 and vita and downwell which actually looks very interesting for playstation 4 and vita so that's everything coming up uh thanks again for joining everyone uh we're on social media you can find us all the time anywhere uh just go to twitter facebook instagram uh whatever your social media site is look up dual shockers twitter.com slash dual shockers Instagram, Facebook, slash DualShockers, you'll find us. Uh, for YouTube, it's a little different. We're at DSTV Originals. Um, also, to come, watch, be part of the show, win a bunch of things, because we give out stuff all the time. We still have plenty of things to give out, which we didn't even get to today. Come join us every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Uh, at twitch.tv slash DualShockersLive. Really, be part of the show. It's a ton of fun. Everyone's having fun here. That's not me just saying it. Uh, finally, you can find our round-the-clock news coverage, features, editorials, and reviews, which we've been talking about this whole time, over at DualShockers.com. Uh, thanks again, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Chris and Giuseppe, for joining with us. Bye. Bye. All right, you can find... Oh, we can find me over at Luke and Tally on Twitter. Chris, where, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Moxiemens. It is on the layout. All right. And Giuseppe, where can we find you on Twitter? Abriel. And you can you can find out how it's written. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Sorry, we're... I'm not going to spell it for you because I'm, I look extremely awkward when I try to spell something. I'm just going to write it on a, on a sheet of paper next time. All right. So, um, yeah, now we're going to go into the theme song. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See you next week. Bye-bye.